we have to transform ourselves in this process. So we'll be learning on the fly on how we change that mindset of looking at things very linearly to um, looking at them in a complex way. Kia I'm Troy, here as CEO and welcome to Stirring the Pot. Thanks for connecting. If you're new, here's what you can expect. We're going to be talking the tough stuff, the things that keep us metalheads up at night. There are many challenges facing our industry and equally many opinions on how we should tackle them. Stirring the Pot provides a facilitated forum to discuss and challenge these viewpoints. So let's get to the nuts and bolts of it. Today we have in studio our very own CEO, Troy Coyle, and technical lead team, Mikhail Karpenko and Kaba Undershay. Together we're discussing the recent success of securing Endeavour funding for a four-year construction 4.0 research project. Welcome team. I'm really excited to have this conversation today around the recent um, successful bid on the Endeavour Fund project around Construction 4.0. I'm really curious to understand how actually this application came about to do this research. Mm-hmm. I can answer that one. Um, so originally this is an idea that some of our members raised um, in the early stages when I was chief executive. Um, and I remember, for example, Wayne Carson saying to me that there was you know, a big issue around um, designing for constructability and a lost opportunity there to improve productivity um, through design considerations, um, including constructability. And that really started me thinking around that nexus between design and constructability and data, um, knowing that we have actually a lot of data, but what we didn't have is it being in a form that could be provided to designers in a way that they could make decisions based on that data. Um, And so, you know, Hira went on a whole journey where we started to focus on Industry 4. Um, And obviously, Industry 4 is one way that um, you could use technology to make use of that data that we have excessive amounts of. Um, And and so it's taken us a while to build up our capability in Industry 4, also to take industry on that journey with us around the possibilities of Industry 4, even understanding what it is. Um, and also it took us a long while to get this bid um, prepared. It's actually been about two years. So this is the second time that we applied for the funding. We got some good feedback on our first round and modified it um, on that basis. But, you know, it Endeavour funding um, has an 18% success rate usually, and definitely in this round it was 18%. Um, so you, you're putting in a lot of effort with... Um, not a high um, likelihood of success. And so we put all of our eggs into this one basket and basically said this time, if if it doesn't get funding, we're not going to apply again because this is really the best bid that we could prepare. Um, and so in the second round, it required a lot of input from a, um, a whole range of people. Kawa um, had a key role in, in coordinating that um, and we focused effort on explaining some of the um, work that previously probably we hadn't been able to explain in a way that um, basically indicated the high levels of technical risk and innovation and um, technical difficulty and challenge involved in the projects. So that's what we did in this round. So that's a bit of the fuck up. It really came from our members. 
That's actually really cool. I think that is the great thing about here and the research we do is that we're always focused on outcomes that will help our industry, our members to do better in the work that they're trying to deliver to their clients in Aotearoa and sometimes globally as well. So one thing you did touch on, Troy, was that there was some difficulties to overcome in terms of understanding understanding what Construction 4.0 is. I wondered if you could maybe go through um, what the project is about and, and tackle some of those roadblocks in terms of understanding what Construction 4.0 means for people. Sure, I can, uh, I can uh, answer that question. The, the project will um, deliver high quality research to create transformation in terms of productivity, quality, affordability, and sustainability. So you know that construction industry has been criticized for low productivity and also emitting carbon. Um, and, and also you know that um, uh, in terms of adopting um, new technologies, also uh, the construction sector is very slow. So there are, um, in, in other sectors, there are uh, developed technologies they use for, um, uh, you know, enhance whole sector, but construction construction wasn't successful. So these, this is a really transformation uh, research project and is going to uh, adapt new technology and change completely the, the, um, the, the uh, construction sector from a linear to a circular. So in terms of um, and when we talk about circular means that we can address sustainability, we can address productivity, affordability, uh, and um, technology. Poof, that's pretty impressive. So I'm really curious to dive into that a little bit more around some of the complexities of the project in terms of helping people to understand a little bit more about it. I wondered, um, Troy, maybe if you could just give me some understanding on the sustainability aspects of this um, particular research. Mm. Yeah, I guess that's the... Um key thing about the project is actually um, it's very holistic which industry four is and I guess that's the promise that the project is um, uh, adding to the sector. <clears throat> we had to break it out into siloed um, sis- systems or sub projects so we've got for example monitoring 4.0, construction 4.0, design 4.0 um, and then we've got some underpinning and overarching um, components, which include Mataronga Māori, technology transfer, sustainability, and um, also the um, overarching technology and systems that we would need to integrate those. But what it really does promise is um, that designers will have a um, decision support tool to enable them to make decisions based on complex data. Um, So, for example, in, at the moment, designers can really only pull a couple of levers. So they might um, pull, for example, something related to seismic design. They might pull a lever relating to affordability and they may be able to pull another lever, sustainability. Anything beyond that becomes too complex for them to be able to um, make informed decisions about. And so this is why we're taking all of that available data and creating the procedures and mechanisms to analyze it in a way that's going to enable 
a circularity of that data um, rather than siloed division of that data. So um, I think if I hand over to Mikhail first to talk about, you know, the project that he's heading up um, and then to Carl for the project he's heading up so that you can get a bit of a more detailed feel about those some of those components. Oh, this sub-project uh, we're going to be talking about uh, now is called the circular design element of the project proposal. Uh, the idea of the circular design is not new. It is based on the understanding that the project, project, uh, the the, uh, the life of of a structure doesn't end at the basically dismantling stage of the building or a structure, and still can be reused. Uh, so design, uh, the current current designs are largely based on on the new design. But the idea that you can reuse and you can create a new design based on the reused structures have not been implemented uh, on a large scale so far. So this 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 idea uh, excited us and uh, basically it became a focal point of that circular design aspect. Uh, it is a little bit more to it than just reuse. Uh, we need to understand the uh, optimal design aspects of all the structures, and uh, it involves uh, understanding the uh, efficiency of design from the carbon point of view. Are we uh, over-designing? We cannot under-design because of the resilience-related aspects. Uh, so the design is to be done in accordance with uh, resilience, also carbon-related considerations, but also designed with the fabrication in mind. We would like to have uh, most of the efficiency out of design based on the fabrication aspects. And thinking about fabrication, we think about robotics later on. So we should we should design in a way it is suitable for robotics. Uh, so having having all those ideas in mind, we also looked back what have we, what have we uh, done or how how we work together with our member companies, and one of the activities we were facilitate we we, we were involved in was um, uh, a series of productivity audits we conducted at our members. Uh, we tried to understand where inefficiencies are. And uh, we looked at different areas, looked at the workshops, looked at the designs, looked at the material flow, horizontal and vertical integration of, 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 uh, of the data. And what we realized that some of, some of the inefficiencies occurs at the design stage, virtually at the interface between design and detailing. This is where the time gets lost. And uh, there is a great uh, constraint between the date data transfer from um, there's a design model into the into the fabrication model. Uh, there are some inefficiencies in the production situation because some of the designs are not really so well suitable for fabrication. So you can gain a lot of efficiency, and efficiency means uh, productivity. It means also less carbon because we're wasting less energy. And it relates to fabrication, relates to welding, also relate, relates to inspection and uh, uh, to the construction, because construction depends on the efficiency of that design. So we have a lot of, a lot of data uh, our companies are sitting on, and we don't know how to use this data. So the idea is we're able to use existing data, but we also create uh, protocols for collecting this data in a more consistent way. 
and uh, also being able to implement them in, the, uh, in, in design models. Uh, so this is a complex beast. We, we looked at different aspects of it and we will not be able to comprehensively cover every single one, but we will cover most of it and we will cover all critical milestones, all critical aspects of design. Uh, just to name it, we will look at the efficiency of design from the uh, design optimization point of view or the structural optimization point of view. We will look at the most efficient connections for automation, including well details. Uh, we will look at the library of standard connections, almost like you can select most efficient connection to be used in design. Uh, we will look at the constructability and reuse aspect of those connections and how this data can feed into the next design model, next design lifecycle, plus monitoring and also remaining live, remaining life of the building or remaining life of the connection. Uh, we will have an expert team involved, uh, internal and also external top team from top universities. Yeah, very exciting. I can see how all that connectivity is really going to make a difference to the way that construction occurs in New Zealand. Um, could you perhaps explain a little bit more about the monitoring and technology transfer side, Kawa? Sure. Um, regarding uh, monitoring 4.0, um, generally, um, structural health monitoring significantly um, influence our decision about our assets because they will provide significant in, in information regarding the performance of structures. The, the traditional structural health monitoring um, scope is limited because we have lack of data. Uh, Industry 4.0, monitoring 4.0 will offer uh, big data. So because we can manage the complex big data, we can have a holistic view about how buildings and structures perform. And, and that data will be used for, um, you know, used to better design, um, to um, better decision about maintenance and, and um, strengthening uh, retrofitting, etc. Um, so, you know, as a uh, one of the, for example, one of the resultant of monitoring 4.0 is an, um, a novel and digital twin model of structures, which will be very um, interesting from training point of view for researchers and also for engineers that can see all aspects and all details of buildings, how that building respond to, for example, earthquake or, you know, other lateral loads, etc. Great. I, I think one thing about this project that makes it so unique to New Zealand is that overarching or underlying, I should say, all of this mahi, all this work, is that there's a focus on Matauranga Māori aspects. Um, I wonder, Troy, could you talk a little bit about that and why you felt it was important to include in, in what would be mostly a technical project, why you felt it was important to um, address that and how you're going to go about including it? Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, even when I'm listening to Kawa and Mikhail talk about the individual projects, it doesn't really convey 
you know, it sounds a little bit like BIM, for example, um, but it doesn't really convey the full extent of what the project is about, which is really around the integration of all of those data sets so that upfront the decisions can be made using all of those comprehensive data, data points, um, which is quite different to BIM, although BIM can be a component of it. Um, but what we did do in this project is we wanted to make sure that if we were kind of artificially breaking out these projects, because you have to, in order to be able to describe to people what you're actually doing, but they're all very much integrated. And overarching that is the technology, but very deliberately we put in three underpinning or foundational aspects, which Matarangamari is one of them, um, sustainability and um, tech transfer and policy development is the other. <clears throat> so I guess, you know, some people think um, overarching is more important, but actually from our perspective, those three components are very important um, and are foundational to the program. The Mātauranga Māori um, component is really an important one and I think um, an exciting opportunity that Construction 4.0 presents because essentially we're taking a transformational approach to a sector that hasn't been done before and it enables us to incorporate Mātauranga Māori in a way that um, hasn't been done right from the offset before. Um, so it's really exciting to think well actually this is something that we're building almost from um, the beginning with Mataronga Māori um, intentionally incorporated so um, the other thing that I think is quite exciting is that <clears throat> Mataronga Māori is very holistic knowledge system and um, you know just from a philosophical or a pedagogical perspective it seems to fit well in terms of an interface with um, Industry 4.0 because, again, it's also very holistic. So we're really hoping that there's an exciting um, combustion of two um, knowledge systems that's going to ignite into something really amazing and, and truly transformational. Um, it also, I guess, positions us um, very uniquely um, globally, there are very few programs of work happening in Construction 4.0. Um, we're really only aware of a couple of international programs. Um, so this will really put New Zealand's construction sector at the forefront um, and uniquely um, so in terms of incorporating its Indigenous knowledge systems. Yeah, I just find it really exciting that from the onset it's something that has been included, which as you mentioned, as a Often the case, it's usually an afterthought or an addition. And I do note that uh, the government has been focusing quite a lot on how, how that can be integrated into the work that they do. So it is a very exciting aspect of the project, I think. I would imagine that that's probably one of the aspects that made the bid successful. Would you say that there are any other aspects that probably got us across the line in terms of securing this funding that stood out? I think another is definitely that <clears throat> we have the evidence to support the significant financial benefits to Aotearoa from this um, adoption of Construction 4.0. So we had already commissioned Bill to undertake a very rigorous um, economic assessment, um, which was very compelling <clears throat> in terms of the return on investment um, 
that would be made. Um, I'll, I'll pass over to Kawa for some more technical insights. Yeah, um, I, I also um, would like to, before, before going to the technical side, I would like to add, I'm very um, happy and, and um, exciting that this proposal also um, has a, I think, um, kind of um, gender equality, especially in the leadership of the proposal. Um, and which is which is really good one, and we have a, a great uh, research team and advisory panel working with us. In terms of the the technical, I think um, um, because the the project is a is a huge project, we have a um, eight research groups working together. So is a is a really in terms of the um, risk management. Uh, you know, in terms of um, complexity science and developing uh, new approaches for step up construction sector is a, is a unique uh, research project in New Zealand. Absolutely. I, I also heard a, a term that I had not seen before come out of the um, submission for this particular research and that was complexity science. I wondered if perhaps you could explain what that is and how it relates to this project. Um, in terms of complexity science, um, I think um, if you first, if you look at the construction sector, which is decision, um, which, which um, Decisions first. Designers make a decision on how they they will design, and then go to the you know to the fabrication fabricators, then go to the site. So, um, and that's a very linear one. Um, means that, for example, fabricators don't know what is the what is in the design stage, but um, the, we we need to change it to circular, and and these. The circular decision making needs lots of data, needs big data, and um, the, the the core challenge is a connectivity and managing the big data. Uh, so, so the core science challenge would be around um, uh, big data management and connectivity and standardization. And that's complexity science. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes a, a lot of sense when you look at it from that perspective. Uh, I, I just wondered as well, obviously, to get a successful research funding project like this, it involves a lot of key partners and a, a strong leadership team. I wondered if uh, you could just explain how you managed to create this amazing global multidisciplinary team and and why you chose who you chose. <clears throat> yeah, I think um, one of the things I um, want to say in terms of like the leadership, um, extending Carl's comment around the gender equality um, was, I think that there are some room, there are some opportunities for improvement in the Endeavour funding program. And one of the frustrations, I guess, um, organizations like here I have is that um, the way endeavor funding is assessed is it's first assessed for science excellence and then if you meet that threshold of being in the you know the first few tiers 
um, of ranking, you then get um, assessed for impact. And that makes it really hard because <clears throat> it's kind of making the impact secondary to the excellence when they are supposed to be equivalent. And in the same way, um, in the program, it identifies um, science leaders, but it doesn't identify impact leaders. So yes, our program did very much focus on impact as well as research excellence in leadership. Um, and the group was really chosen through our awareness of who had um, the strong expertise, not only nationally, but internationally. So we wanted to choose the best partners. Um, so a lot of those came from direct relationships that we have, um, because obviously we're already partnering with the best. Um, but also, you know, in areas where we didn't have strong expertise, we did research, um, you know, through publications and speaking with people around who are the leaders in these areas globally. And, um, you know, we reached out to some new partners and they were happy to come on board. Um, again, because this is fairly unique research happening globally. Um, so the opportunity for a, a large international collaboration on this area um, was very attractive. Yeah, I think that when you can find people that share a common vision, that's what formulates a really strong team. Um, one thing I also notice is there's a lot of diversity in terms of nationality and also age as well. Um, so I find it really exciting that across a range of things, you've really created quite a very diverse and unique team in itself um, on something that would on the outset look quite technical, but there are these underlying aspects that you've really focused on, so it's very exciting. Um, so with this particular project, I guess the, the nuts and bolts of it is, is that it's a four-year program. Um, I think that you've just got close to $10.3 million funding, which is massive and very significant and, and will enable us to make quite a lot of change. Mm -hmm. Are there key stages for the delivery of this project or is that something that you're still having to work out? Like how, how do you see the delivery of this project tracking and what your key milestones will be? Um, in a very high level, um, we have a critical steps for each research program which needs to be delivered and we have a time frame for delivering that uh, critical steps. But uh, we, we will um, sit down with the team um, to you know, uh, planning more details and uh, you know, provide more details on deliverables. Just um, one mm. thing I wanted to add, because just before we jump on some new questions, is on the Mataronga Māori component. I think we have to say that it has that was the hard bit because I think um, Māori researchers are on, in such demand and so few. Um, that um, yeah, it was really hard to be able to get um, a strong team together because um, yeah, there's so many demands on people with Mataronga Māori expertise to be working on projects, and obviously that that's great. Um, but it did present a challenge for the project, and I would say that we it is something that we are going to have to consciously put effort into. Um, and something that MB will be um, and the science board will be closely watching us on. Um, and so, you know, we have to really think about, we're not just ticking that um, vision Mataronga um, requirement for, found, for Endeavour funding. We actually 
are genuinely wanting this to be something that is transformational in terms of the sectoral's um, interface with marginal and Māori. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a heavy um, burden that you have to carry there in terms of getting it right because, you know, you you are one of the first who's going to be really focusing on this. So you do have to make sure that it leads, hopefully, to more people doing the same thing. So you've got to create a, a roadmap that people can follow. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what that looks like and, and how that comes about. I definitely see that as probably one of the challenges to this project. Mm. Would you say that there are any other sort of key challenges you're going to have to address in order to deliver this project? Uh, I think another one is um, also managing expectations. So $10 million in four years sounds like a lot, but actually this is massive, um, a massive uh, research undertaking and, and then a massive change that needs to happen within the sector, across workforces um, and so on. So, you know, this, um, you know, this is something that we are doing with sectoral wide and material agnostic changes happening, obviously, Hero's expertise and um, what we contribute is strong expertise in structural steel. Um, so our focus will be very much on structural steel um, in terms of the case studies and, and the examples, but it, it's something that we're developing that's going to be intended to be uptaken more broadly across the sector and across all materials. Um, and so, you know, this will, this will get us a long way in proof of concept but there will still be a lot of work um, that's required in order to get the sector A ready and B actually um, implementing the outcomes of this project. Um, so, you know, we think it'll be transformational, but that transformation is going to take some time. Absolutely. And this is the thing with technology as well, is that it's just constantly improving and the iterations on it are just astronomical so it's going to be a challenge I think to keep up with what's happening globally ensuring that you've you're always incorporating the latest and the newest ideas and that you're not missing anything because you there is that risk that you might be building something that's really old school now so yeah I can see where there's definitely you're going to have to stay up to date a lot with what's going on um, I, I know that this is a significant project for Hera um, and as you have previously mentioned, it really is building upon some of the capability we've been working to develop for quite some time now. Um, what do you see as the next steps for starting this project or kickstarting it? And also, um, are there any key research or post-research outcomes that you're forecasting for Aotearoa? I think for kickoff this project, we plan to have a uh, meeting with the team, a workshop, a one-day workshop next week. So uh, from that workshop, we formally kick off the, the um, project and start um, uh, putting more details and, and preparing, uh, you know, detailed planning, etc. Um, I think our team. Um, like experts in in the area, so uh, definitely uh, we will start um, shortly. Uh, you know the developing the uh, science required for this transformation, 
Um, and I think um, in terms of because this proposal is a transformational research project. So once the project um, completed, we also have a, uh, you know, uh, implementation and horizon. Um, so in terms of implementing and adopt adoption of Industry 4.0, probably it takes time longer than four years. This, this research program is four years, but it takes longer to fully adopted construction 4.0. And Hera would be happy to help construction and members for the adoption. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, with any adoption of new ideas, new change, there's also a significant mind shift that needs to happen in industry. So um, I can see that they also be requiring some sort of leadership in terms of bringing industry on this journey so that they actually understand the value of this project in terms of what they do on the daily and how this is going to impact them. Um, I, I think I can see that being one of the core aspects is that sort of mindset shift for industry to even say, oh, yeah, this is something that I want to do. So it's going to be very exciting to track. I look forward to seeing um, how things progress and hopefully we'll get to hear from all of you as, as we track along to see how we're reaching those milestones and maybe key outcomes that we'll be experiencing along the way and learning. And I just also wanted to add, a, add another one of our challenges. I'm um, going back to that question is that actually um, because the nature of the program is that we've got experts in very siloed areas we are now having to work out ways that we become um, experts but also generalists across all of those um, components so that we really are developing something holistic um, and even the Mataranga Māori component is going to challenge us because we are going to have to learn all of us um, how to apply tikanga Māori, kaupapa Māori, um, uh, run our meetings accordingly, do our whakawhanauna tangia meaningfully. You know, it's going to be quite a different, this project in itself is going to be very different in the way that it is done. Um, the research approach is going to be very unique. Yeah, you're going to be stirring the pot and creating disruption and discomfort everywhere, but that's what makes it so exciting. Look forward to seeing how it tracks. So there you go. Thanks for joining our conversation with the Hira Fano today. If you'd like to connect more with us, you'll find our details in the show notes. Creating a successful bid like this is a massive achievement that was made possible by the contribution of many. We'd like to thank our members, bid team, project leaders, the Hira board, and our amazing global multidisciplinary team for their contributions. I oria te tuatara ka patu ki waho. A problem is solved by continuing to find solutions. If you liked what you heard today, you may be interested to find out more about Hero's focus on Industry 4.0 and the key research, facilities, support and partnerships we have been developing to help our members and wider industry take advantage of the opportunities that Industry 4.0 represents. You'll find details in the show notes.